Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NC Developers Podcast. Uh, today's another interview episode, and we got a good one. We're going to be talking to Justin Wen, um, and he's gonna, he is the host of the Declassified College Podcast. It's an iTunes Top 100 podcast, and it's basically the ultimate guide to navigating college. Um, and he does a lot of really, really cool work on it, which we you know, look forward to discussing today. Uh, he also graduated from UCF, the University of Central Florida, and he's going to talk a little bit about his time there as well and sort of like what his motivation for starting the podcast was, what his top tips for college students are, and, you know, just a little bit about himself because he's a crazy interesting dude. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. All right, welcome back, young kings, young queens. Justin, pleasure to have you on today. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you, man. How are you doing? It's, it's kind of late uh, over here. It's like nine in the evening for me. For, I don't know. It's a little early in the day for you because you're halfway across the world, basically. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm doing um, well. <laughs> so, Justin, how about we start with a bit of role playing just to get to know you a little bit better? Okay. I like you it. With that? All right. So, here's the scene I'm an old friend that you haven't seen in five years. We run into each other on the street and find that we have some extra time on our hands. So I go to treat you to some Starbucks because we're bougie like that, um, just to commemorate our faded reunion. There at the cafe, we manage to snag some seats by the window, the best seats in the house, and we go to sit down. Drinks in hand, we lock eyes, and I ask you, so what have you been up to, bro? Well, first off, I'd be like, <laughs> I love that, man. That's definitely a different intro than I'm used to when it comes to podcasts. But yeah. I guess the first thing that I, I would hit you back with is, well, you clearly not follow me on LinkedIn. Right? <laughs> so, so what, what good of a friend are, are you really, right, if you're not paying attention to my LinkedIn content? But, Fair. man, um, the past five years, it's uh, it's been absolutely insane, right? Um, I would literally be not be where I, I am right now if it wasn't for LinkedIn, but mm -hmm. it's definitely not where I thought I would have been if you asked me five years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So for going back five years, I was a freshman or a sophomore in college, and I was still sort of going down the very stereotypical Asian path of my parents <laughs> wanted me to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, and I chose the athletic training route. So I was doing that. The bios and chems just weren't it for me. And mm -hmm. I was playing a video game called FIFA, and my roommate also played it. Oh, love <laughs> FIFA. Which one? Which one, though? I think this was, I mean, five years ago. So it's got to be like FIFA 14, FIFA 15 or so, oh, right? So we're playing FIFA and then Ultimate Team. Uh, there's like the stock market aspect to it, which I didn't like. Didn't realize what it was until my friend was explaining it. And I traded to a million coins in like the first three months. And my roommate was like, dude, like, how are you doing this? Like, and I'm like, oh, I just see patterns. I'm doing a little research on YouTube, um, little things here and there. He's like, you can make, do this in real life and make a lot of money. I was like, what do you mean? Because I didn't understand uh, like stocks. And that mm -hmm. sort of got me into the world of finance, which then got me into business and entrepreneurship. And then mm -hmm. how that leads to get your grind up and declassified is I got like the good grades, pretty much doing everything that my parents told me to do and everyone around me. Um, but I tried to apply to internships and I applied to like 50. And I didn't even get a call back. And I was like, what the heck's going on? I have a 4.0 mm -hmm. and then join the clubs. But the kid with a 3.0 is getting Goldman Sachs internships. And I'm over here. Um, twiddling mm -hmm. my fingers. So mm -hmm. I, I've during this whole time, I figured out like a whole bunch of different cheat codes along the way. And when I graduated, I had five internships um, at like three at Fortune 150 companies and two at other startups. And then mm -hmm. I had a full time job offer from one of the big four companies to do consulting, which I ultimately turned down because I wanted to pursue everything that I'm doing now. But it was sort of like I had hit all of the things that I wanted to hit in college. 
And I realized mm -hmm. that those goals, a lot of college students don't actually get to see, so to say, especially mm -hmm. finding that job. So I wanted to be able to give back and showcase to all these students, especially the ones that come from a non-traditional background. Like both my parents are Vietnamese refugees where they're just mm -hmm. grown up to, or they're taught growing up to listen to their parents. So I, I want to be that, that voice that they can um, be like relate to as well mm -hmm. as be someone that can give them adequate advice in terms of how to navigate the, the world of college. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And we will touch on the non-traditional background like a bit um, in, I guess, a little bit later. But I just wanted to kind of dive in a bit more into what you're doing with the Get Your Grind Up, like just the whole movement, um, if you want to talk about that a bit. A hundred percent. So what started off as a joke on my Instagram, my Snapchat story, it sort of turned into this movement. And we have now this very specific route that we want to go. But it by no means started off this way. So mm -hmm. essentially, long story short, it started off as a podcast. We just wanted to talk to really interesting people. But then it's grown into this place where we want to help out college students navigate their way through college because we know how difficult of a time it is, especially during times right now where unemployment rates are extremely high. So right. what it has turned into is I've realized throughout the time, most career services individuals, the reason why they're so bad, at least from a student perspective, is because they haven't necessarily had to find a job in the past 10, 15 years. And especially <laughs> now with tech, how fast technology moves, 10, 15 years is like 100 years uh, in terms of technology years, right? So yeah. how can they give adequate advice to people like yourself and uh, yourselves and I? So, and then the other side of it too, is there's a lot of relevant information from people that are career coaches that have just either gotten jobs or they just recently left their job to pursue their career coaching full time. But mm -hmm. what would end up happening in like five or 10 years is they end up aging out as well since they don't necessarily have to go and find a job. So what we mm -hmm. want to do with Get Your Grind Up is build up this brand, this community, this movement where all of this information is always staying true and staying new by being mm -hmm. able to crowdsource the career education, essentially. So mm -hmm. that's why with our podcast, yes, I am sort of the voice behind the show, but each episode we're getting three to five different perspectives where they have mm -hmm. real life in, like, in action advice so that it wasn't stuff that worked two, three, five years ago. It worked a few months ago or a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. You touched on so many things. And, you know, as somebody who like comes from a college that doesn't have a lot of presence in tech, um, and as somebody who like, you know, initially started off my journey of like looking for internships, going through like 400 rejections, 300 rejections, you know, applying to all these places and not getting a call back. Um, and, you know, going to my career services office and being like, hey, you know, how, how, like, how do you guys help me? Like, how can I do this? Like, it's, you know, obviously something's not working. And being met with advice that was, you know, well intentioned, but not current, you know, not in my specific industry, not given by people who, you know, knew the industry that well, uh, I super, super relate to that. So I think, you know, that's such a cool mission. And I think it's really important, like you mentioned, to make sure you're staying current. Cause like, you know, as a software engineer, dude, we learned something like yesterday and like by the next age being phased out by Google, you know what I mean? So like, it's it's pretty crazy to to see how fast things run. Um, but yeah, I had, a, I had a question kind of just like on that note, um, what made you want to venture specifically into podcasting, you know, to encapsulate this journey and, and this kind of advice and this platform? And how, why do you think podcasting is, is the route that you chose to go to, like, serve the people that you, you want to serve? I mean, I think for me, the reason that I chose podcasting was mainly because of the, the barrier to entry, right? 
um, all of the YouTube content that I was looking at was so high quality. And I was like, if I want to start on YouTube, then it, it'd probably be a shit show, right? Recording from my iPhone <laughs> or anything like that. But then now, like, right, you're looking at Mr. Beast and seeing how fast he's grown. It, it's actually possible to use your, just your iPhone, at least from the start. But mm -hmm. the reason that I looked at podcasting was you can legitimately throw, you guys know, a, a good sounding podcast for under $200. And if you're really savvy for under $100, right? Mm -hmm. um, I still use pretty much the same setup that I have from the beginning. And I think it cost me $120 all around. And then depending on what you use for like your hosts and your website and stuff, you can get that for cheap or free for, even, sure. for some of the services. So that's why I think we started off with that. But also it was new. And by being able to mm -hmm. leverage the, the newness, <laughs> if that's a word, of a platform, um, we were able to, to land some pretty cool interviews at the beginning, which then added credibility to our name so that when we did launch the second one, we had some brand recognition overall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love how the whole, like this, everything that you are now kind of, uh, with this whole platform, everything started as a joke too. Um, <laughs> I, I, like, I just wonder like how many dreams that could have panned out have been lost along the way. And I love that you didn't let the, uh, like the the lack of preparation, I want to say, in starting out, fate, uh, uh, deter you from actually getting started on everything, right? Because like, it's easy to throw around excuses. But at the end of the day, you know, like, if you are, if you're, if you're throwing out excuses, you're not executing on your on your goals, and um, finding new ways to pivot, and finding new solutions for the problems that you have is an essential skill moving forward for any any success at any degree. Um, and I guess like, on that note, um, let's talk about pivots a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I feel it's an essential part of finding your voice. Um, it's something we've talked about before on the podcast, but listening mm -hmm. to people's unique pivots um, gives people the ability to kind of picture different different landscapes to what that journey could look, look like. Uh, and being able to put yourself in different shoes uh, definitely allows for like more learning to happen vicariously through those experiences, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are some pivot? Obviously, you made like a huge one diving into this whole um, the get your grind up movement from when you had like a finance course set uh, set in front of you. But what are some of the major pivots that you've seen in your life? And if you want to kind of touch upon your mindset at those moments, I would love to hear that as well. Yeah, the decision making process too. I'd be super interested in that. Hundred percent. So the I guess the first pivot um, was really trying to when we we're trying to scale to get your grind up podcast so we we're like okay instagram snapchat stories since that's sort of where get your grind up started um we're gonna put all of our focus there and we're like okay it's we can go viral on instagram right it's not gonna be that hard and okay. what we realized was especially with mm. career education um no one really wants to be told like oh yeah go work for a job Right, especially when you've got Grant Cardone and Ty Lopez, et cetera, screaming at you to, oh my God. <laughs> to, to drop out of school, you'll become rich really Dude, quick. So right? many videos, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like we knew we couldn't compete with them um on a on a like motivational level. So then after I think that took us maybe a year, year and a half to figure out, um, I started to post a little bit on LinkedIn. <clears throat> And what I found was on LinkedIn, the platform was really welcoming to educational content because the self-help gurus, so to say, of the world hadn't saturated it just yet. 
But also mm-hmm. when you go to LinkedIn, you have more of a professional background and there's a different sort of clientele there. So especially mm-hmm. the students mm-hmm. that I was interacting with, when you go to LinkedIn, you're already there to learn and you're there to network with professionals. So when you're seeing our content about how to be successful in school or whatever, it's much more relevant than on Instagram where you're scrolling around and you might see your favorite sports highlights or your friend going on vacation or something. It, it sticks out a lot more on on LinkedIn. So I think that was the first pivot that we made that really made a big difference for our our like our company as a whole mm-hmm. because we were getting I want to say twenty to twenty five thousand maybe um, oppressions every single month and that was posting like two or three times a day sometimes on, on Instagram and yeah. now we're getting two hundred thousand um, impressions on just my profile alone um, from posting five times a week. So mm-hmm. it's been a huge game changer in terms of a saving time to right, uh, right. allocate to other things, but also to um, being able to grow our audience as well. Mm-hmm. Do you think we've reached that saturation point on LinkedIn now or like how far away maybe are we from that? I mean, LinkedIn right now is really tough, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wish that we still had that edu- a lot of the educational content, um, especially right now, which I, again, I understand because of the the state of everything. A lot of it is sort of motivational stuff of, oh, I got rejected from all these internships and now I just got struggle my porn. Yeah. 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 Which yeah. like I respect, right? You have to tell your story, but if you're the, if you're telling the same story 50 million times just to get views, there's mm-hmm. a difference, right? So right. that's, that's the only thing that is really annoying from my perspective is I try to say something a little bit different every single day, like a different perspective or a different lesson where I'm seeing people recycle the same content because they know that it works of like, Oh, I got, I got rejected by, by this company. And then a year later I got accepted. Here's how I did it. And it's literally, I've seen this post at least 10 times uh, from the same user over the past like month and a half. And I'm like, okay, come on, let's, let's get some new content on there. But that's just how the algorithm works. And you have to mm-hmm. play the game to understand it. So I, I respect it. Um, mm-hmm. I just hope that it, it moves away from, from drama porn, so to say, like how YouTube yeah. has sort of um, turned in all of these like rap battles and all that stuff that's generating all the views. <laughs> oh man, dude, you talked about so much stuff there. Uh, <laughs> dude, we actually had a great conversation with Jonathan Tesser. He's like pretty big on LinkedIn as well. I don't know if you've seen his post, but we mm-hmm. had him on the podcast like last week. We just haven't released the episode yet. Although I guess if you're listening to this, check it out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we had him on the podcast and, and he has a lot of thoughts on this, you know, and I was reading a book recently that kind of encapsulated it really well, you know, and I, I'm going to butcher the, the quote, so I'm just going to paraphrase, but it's basically the idea that, you know, we, like LinkedIn and, and all these like social medias have like transformed like all these insights into like bullet points for the CEO to read in his like Monday morning coffee, like while he's like, you know, in his Uber to his office. But that takes away so much nuance, right? That takes away so much insight. That takes away so much self-expression that, you know, we've gradually started to lose on platforms like LinkedIn in favor of the struggle porn, right? Where, you know, it gets a lot of likes, you know, the algorithm likes it, the engagement's good, and it's not really providing any value to anyone. You know what I mean? Because like you see that 50 million times, you know that somebody can overcome something. Like the story of overcoming something while it's important for motivation, you know, isn't always like useful. And I like that, like you, you definitely like, draw that distinction. And, you know, um, kind of on that note of like, just like putting your voice out there and really, really trying to find your voice. Um, I don't know, personally speaking, and I think D- Damien feels the same way. Um, sometimes I feel like super, super self-conscious about putting my voice out there and, you know, like having this podcast in general and like, man, I don't want to say like I have haters or anything, but sometimes my boys, you know, they be <laughs> roasting me. They're like, yo, I didn't like this episode, or, you know, like just roasting you about like 
things like that are like, oh, it's kind of cringy. Um, how do you kind of deal with, um, you know, like not hate, but like, you know, discouraging voices and, and, you know, people not like really responding to your content. How do you really trace, stay true to your voice and handle that feeling like being self-conscious? Yeah. I mean, I had never really dealt with that many haters, right? I, I was lucky enough that when we were on Instagram, where more haters live on, uh, we weren't big enough really to get to get haters, which but we did have one and it was called shoot for the stars. So I don't know who started it. Um, <laughs> I still don't know to this day. But like when I found out about it, because they were like tagging me and they photoshopped like my head onto like a photo and everything. I was like, what the heck is even going on right now? What? Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. Like I, I'll show you guys after this. But yeah. like a bunch of my friends like w went to it and like commented on their post like what the heck is this? Blah, blah, blah. blah. So that yeah. was fun to like see on yeah, my really. side. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. It was like kind of a, <laughs> my troll army against theirs, um, which I guess is one way to, to kind of cope. But um, thankfully on LinkedIn, right, no one really wants to be a troll um, because yeah. it's sort of like your professional page. And sure. usually if anyone does show up that way, I try to hit them with like a little bit of banter because that's, that's just sort of how I am. But I did get one that really sort of messed me up for a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to say like a month ago or so. I, I just started posting on Reddit. So Reddit obviously is like the king of, of trolling. And oh, yeah. Like that. So <laughs> I, I posted in my university's um, subreddit. And then someone said to me like, oh, I've seen your post on LinkedIn. Like I laugh at them all the time. And like my, my boys just look at you and laugh because there's no real relevant knowledge and stuff like that. And I'm like, why am I getting it? Like I was like legitimately in my head and I was talking to my girlfriend, like what's going on? Like, am I really that bad? And you start to feel sort of this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. But what I realized was like, yo, that's one message. And I've gotten consistent messages through LinkedIn of like, yo, thank you so much for this podcast. Um, thank yeah. you so much for this post, blah, blah, blah. And when I look at that, it's like, okay, okay. Now it starts to make a little bit more sense. It's just one person out of um, 50 million, like 50 other people. 50 million. I wish it was 50 million. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it's like that quote, again, I'll butcher it the same way that you did, where it's like the whole crowd can be cheering, but you'll hear that one boo. And that's yeah, sort of yeah. how it is. But I think the, the way that you get through it is trying to take it, look at it for what it is. Maybe there is some truth to it. And mm -hmm. then seeing how you can take that to, to like change your content or your voice or whatever it is a little sure. bit. Um, but then ultimately saying it's your voice. And if other people are saying they like it, that's all that really matters. Because mm -hmm. as long as more people are saying yes, then, and they're paying attention to your content, then that means your voice is interesting. And at the yeah. end of the day, that's what, that's what pays the bills basically. Yeah, Absolutely. man, dude. I don't know if you're a David Goggins fan, but we have, we have this idea that we started kind of based on David Goggins, but David Goggins is this thing where he has like a, like a jar of things he's overcome. And so like anytime he's not feeling like motivated or, you know, like he feels like he's kind of like out, out for the, out for the race or whatever, like he reaches in that jar and he reads like something he's overcome. Right. And mm -hmm. he's just like, yo, if I could overcome this, I can overcome this too. Right. And so what we did was you created like a, a shared iPhone album of just like people <laughs> with positive messages, bro. Cause honestly, like, yeah, we haven't had haters or anything like that. We didn't have like a shoot for the stars or whatever, but at the same time, it's like, you know, like even when you're like, if, if listens drop off, you know, or like, you know, like a friend's like, oh dude, I didn't really like this or like, whatever it is, like, you know, things get you down. So we created this like shared iPhone album where it's just like screenshots of people supporting us. And dude, it, it like, that that's like the one reason I keep going, man. Some days yeah. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to edit this. <laughs> like I'm tired. I just like coded for nine hours. I don't want to look at the screen anymore. But like those little moments, like you need something like that to like 
kind of pick you up for sure. Definitely. Cause it's like you, you get to finally put a face and I think we forget to really acknowledge a lot of the, the good things that come out. Like for instance, with me, I just recently started sort of doing the same thing of taking screenshots and stuff of whenever someone sort of messages me back of saying like, thank you so much for this. Or I really like the podcast because X, Y, Z. And I think when you see that like Joe Schmo 67 or whatever hates on your stuff on Reddit or Twitter or whatever it is, it's like, yeah. oh, shit, like freaking Joe. Right. But then <laughs> if you're looking at like, then you go back to that album, like you said, and, and I don't know, John, John Doe was like, oh my God, thank you guys so much for your podcast. Like the, the adult first podcast really helped me out. Then it's like, okay, that, that feels a way more better than when you you listen to the to the hate comment so that's sure. definitely a way to, to cope 100 percent. i don't know if it's weird but i'm kind of looking forward for uh till we, when we get our first hater because oh yeah <laughs> that's what i know we're oh, making I it too. right i was too <laughs> um, i think i think there's like shoot for the stars and then the guy on reddit were two completely different haters for me and i think because of the point in time where where they hit me so like shoot for the stars was sort of happening when get your grind up was starting to rise so i didn't necessarily care too much and when i posted um there's their uh like a screenshot of their profile on my my instagram story and stuff um people went in and like per, like protected me so to say like had my back mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but with reddit i have i've been sort of in in not necessarily a low but there hasn't been many small wins lately um it was just kind of been flat so because it hit me then, it felt a lot more because I hadn't had a lot of things going on. So right. I think it also depends on the time and point of of when these sort of haters hit you. For and sure. that's that's sort of been the unique thing that I've learned over the past, I want to say two months, because again, that hasn't happened to me in a while. But when it did, it was like, oh, wow, this is really different. I haven't felt this in a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that I mean, we did an episode on stoicism. Uh, I think that's a great POV to apply to any negativity that comes your way. Um, there's, uh, you guys know Viktor Frankl? I've heard the name. Okay, well, he's, uh, I believe he was like a neurologist or something, but he's a Holocaust survivor, um, okay, yep, yep. published some books. And basically, he went through like the, like the struggle, you know, like he's seen death was per perennially around him. And like it's just a norm at that time. And in, under those conditions, it's so easy to just give up hope when everything feels like uh, everything just feels lost. Like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And it's in those moments, you know, you can't control what's happening around you. But the one thing that you can control is how you feel about everything. Um, and I think there's like a powerful lesson to take from that that can be tied into this. And kind of just backtracking to what you were mentioning before. And I did say we would talk about taking a non-traditional route through life. Um, but you're mentioning how, you know, that imposter syndrome was kicking in, like in the early days and everything. And I think when it comes to taking a non-traditional route through life, there is no, there's no real structure to that. Like there's no archetype to follow. And it feels like you're just doing everything for the first time. And the uncertainty is so hard to deal with in those moments. But from your own experience, is there any advice that you would have for individuals trying to take that non-traditional route through life? Yeah, I think if you're going to go down the non-traditional route, you've got to you've got to have a strong community around you. Whether it's the community that you've built with your business, podcast, whatever that may be, or if it's like having a strong family support or for my, my instance like my girlfriend has really helped me out with like a lot of times of like lulls and stuff. That's that's sort of where you need to to build a community because without that, the tough times and there's are going to be those it's going to be really tough to get through on your own and i think that's the difference between a lot of the really successful people is when you look at how they became successful 
most of the time they didn't do it just by themselves right they right. had someone along mm -hmm. with them that were like hey we're gonna get through this we'll figure it out like yes it might suck a lot right now but in a few mm -hmm. months a few years it's gonna be amazing and mm -hmm. without those people there like telling you and, and kind of edging you on um it'll be really lonely and really tough so i would say if you're looking to go down that that route find a good core community around you in some way shape or form mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i love that the idea of community i'm actually writing like college essays right now and and uh, for like my MBA and you know, I talk about community like constantly through it. And like one thing I've noticed in my life is like any time I've been successful or like, you know, remotely good at anything, it's a hundred percent because of the community that supports me. And any time where I felt like, you know, I kind of fell off my grind and I wasn't motivated to do things and, you know, I was failing a lot. It's a hundred percent because I didn't have that community there, you know, whether it's like soccer, whether it's like, um, you know, jobs, internships, like research, like whatever it is, like community is like foundational. And, you know, speaking a little bit more about like building things and building that community, um, you know, for all the builders out there, you've built like a pretty, pretty big movement. Um, and it, 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 you know, it's just been super, super cool to see how that ecosystem has evolved and things like that. And I know they have big plans for it down the line. So if I was an investor and I came up to you and offered you a blank check and, you know, any blank check, any amount, it doesn't matter. How would you decide to spend that money on building your platform, building your voice and reaching more people that you want to reach? Super interesting question. Um, if if I were to to get a blank check right now, right, the two biggest things that I would focus on is I want to build out this, and I have this idea in the back of my head. I just need to find um, a technical co-founder to, to build it out with me. Mm -hmm. But I want to build this app that adds gamification into the career development process. So if you're looking out there right now, there's not really anything out there for career development. Most of it is like tutor apps, or most of mm -hmm. it is like a job board, like a handshake or an Indeed or anything like that, which those have their own purpose. But what I want to do to again, help these students develop a little bit more is to create an app that where if you completed a mission, these missions mm -hmm. would be like connect with 10 people in your major, um, in your um, job title that you want to get, and then you get a badge. And then when you get mm -hmm. X amount of badge, you get either a scholarship or you you do so like you get some sort of um, like reward or something like that. So that mm -hmm. would be the first thing. And I know apps and web apps and stuff take a, a, a crap ton of money. So that'd probably be where a lot of it comes from. But the second mm -hmm. portion of it would go towards marketing and getting this this movement, this podcast into as many student ears as possible. Um, mm -hmm. That's sort of been the, the hardest thing for us because as you guys know, podcasts are really tough to, to get in front of people's ears. So mm -hmm. by just doing literally guerrilla marketing of being able to pay college students um, as ambassadors to go to their college when colleges open up so that college students get paid for what they want to do. We don't really want to do unpaid internships um, unless we have to. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's where mm -hmm. that money would kind of go going back to the students. That's sort of my whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Dude, the gamification idea is so great. I like, I'm a huge fan of gamification. I think it works so well, and especially peer pressure. I don't know if you run or, you know, like jog or anything like that, but I use Strava and I a hundred percent wouldn't run if I didn't have the app Strava because they give you like, like you said, there's like many challenges that you can do where you can get badges. There's like, you know, you can post your runs and your friends can see your times. So if you're, if you're like slow, then they can flame you, you know, things like that, like mm -hmm. really, really keep me going. So I think it's a really, really cool idea. Yeah. And I think with like career development too, right. Going off of that point of gamification, it's very, um, like you, it's very, like, you don't really talk about it. Right. You might say, oh, I got this internship. 
but that's really mm-hmm. all you say, or, oh, I got this job offer, but no one really mm-hmm. talks about what they did to get there until after the fact. And I think adding a gamification piece of like, oh, I just completed talking to 10 people um, that work at Twitter, or I just completed talking to mm-hmm. 10 people that work at Google, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. getting that notification as like a competitor is like, oh, snap, Fawad uh, did it, right? And I know I just butchered your name. I'm so sorry. No, no, for you, that. Got it, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> um, so if I just did it, right? I need to go do it too because I'm competitive. I want to beat him in sort of that that way. But because career development is sort of in the space of you don't really tell anyone until the end goal. No one actually knows where they stand until it's too late. And I think that's why you have a lot of seniors when they see their friends graduating and having college um, job offers. They're like, "Dang, man!" Like. What, what, what were they doing different? They were at the same parties that I was at, right? They were taking the same classes that I was at. What were they doing different? Why are they there and I'm here? And I think that would be a good way to sort of showcase that that journey, that that college journey. I love the uh, like transparency that's in, that's involved with that too. Um, and again, like going back to the notion that we only see everybody's successes. Um, I think that's a unique opportunity to even just help out the people that might be struggling a bit behind if there were say like a leaderboard for everything right um and building that i guess like a community around that is such a unique way to kind of get everybody up with you so i really love that mission uh, you do talk a lot about success in college and um you know like again like crowdsourcing all your tips which is a really unique take on it and like i love that you're doing that uh but like college can tend to be a microcosm of sorts right and like it's very insulated from the real world do you think that the skills required to succeed in college translate well into the real world or is there kind of a different set that you need to focus on to lay the foundation in order to be truly successful so i think college universities in general they do a really good job at teaching right we might like joke around and we say like, oh, I'm just like on like Quizlet University or like um, Chegg University, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, they do a pretty decent job in terms of learning. And that's why I don't think online education has really taken off. Because if you look at completion rates for online education, they're usually really low. Now, what they do a bad job at is showing you how you can actually use what you've learned in real life. And I think they're still trying to figure out how to do that because information is not necessarily that important, but knowing how to translate that information into learning how to actually code something or, or learning how to actually market something, that's what's important, right? A lot of marketing um, professors, they teach like the four P's of marketing, which is great. But then when I go back to, to a marketing class and I say, Hey guys, what's a landing page and no one raises their hand then who really cares if you know what the four P's of marketing are if you don't know how to apply it onto a landing page, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just top of funnel of everything. So that's that's what I think they need to fix and figure out because once you teach the students how to actually apply things, like they're doing projects and they do them pretty well. But I've talked to so many students where they've completed a capstone project and like, yeah, I did a Microsoft Excel worksheet and I did a financial analysis. What does that mean? And I'm like, dude, if you know how to talk about that, that can mean so many different things on your resume if you know how to word it the correct way. And Mm -hmm. that's what school's not teaching. And I think that's sort of the biggest differentiator when it comes to Ivy League schools and um, like regular, like regular tier schools, so to say, um, Mm -hmm. is I think they do a better job of showing you what 
the tools are that you're actually learning in school and how to use them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, dude, I'm doing my cast the next year. And like, what's cool about my school, at least in engineering is like a lot of people actually end up turning their caps on into, into companies and that like culture of entrepreneurship is cool in, in tech. But I think I, I agree with you so much. And like, you know, even towards the beginning where I degree, when that wasn't like more emphasized, like, dude, it's just like you're learning equations and like, what are these going to do? Like even coding, like, you know, you code in a microcosm and then, you know, your prof says it's good or it's bad, but that's not how code is written in the real world. Like code is like a living, breathing document and like everybody contributes to it. You know, you have discussions around it, you know, it's like literature almost. And like, that's not shown in school at all. So, you know, given this kind of disconnect between like school and the real world, uh, what are your personal views on a college education? Do you think it still stacks up in 2020 to go to, you know, like a four-year college, pay 35000 I know you, you, you went to like a, a state school, so you, your tuition was probably a little less, but uh, I was listening to your, your episode <laughs> on uh, student debt, but because I have a lot of student debt. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's your personal opinion on college? Do you think it stacks up? Is it worth it in 2020? And, you know, if it's not, what are some good alternatives? Yeah, so I think I think it's very situational. Um, and the reason I say that is because if you, if your parents have a lot of money, right. And money's not mm -hmm. necessarily thing, if you're paying 5,000 or 50,000, then it doesn't necessarily matter. But if you're mm -hmm. coming from like an average, I would speak from the American standpoint of like going to your, your parents make, I don't know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollars combined. And just the school that you want to go to costs $35,000 a year then it mm -hmm. might not necessarily make sense, especially if you're going for like an English major or a non-technical degree. And the mm -hmm. reason for that is because what they don't tell you in high school is the amount of money that you want to spend on college needs to correlate to the job opportunity that you want to get after, right? If you're mm -hmm. getting an English or a psychology or one of these degrees that might not necessarily translate to the most money in the future, Mm -hmm. then it might be more important to take community college for two years, which isn't a bad decision at all, right? Take community college for two years, then transfer to the school that you actually want to go to for your final two years. You can probably save ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, depending on which school you, you end up choosing. So I think that the smartest move, if I were to do it again, um, unless you're getting into an Ivy League school, which I do think it's still pretty worth it if you're paying um, like thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year, what I would do is go to community college for two years, save a bunch of money, stay at home if you can. If not, then you could still go to community college out of state and dorm, and you would be paying a lot less than if you went to a, a, a regular university out of state. and You would still get sort of that same um, environment. Do that, transfer two years to a, a traditional four-year school, and you still graduate with a four-year degree. Now, if you're going to school for anything technical, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different alternatives popping up now with like land the school, mission you. Yeah. Um, all these different sort of things. So definitely consider yeah. those if you're really looking for like a quick hit and you know definitely that that like tech is the space that you want to get into. Those are some mm -hmm. some unique things. But I would say it's still worth it if you go about it the right way. If you're just going to school just to go to school and you want to learn about yourself for $35,000 mm -hmm. a year, there's a lot <laughs> better ways to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Just go backpacking, bro. That's what I tell everyone. But no, I, I love how you mentioned that because it's like, it's, a, it's all about intentionality, you know? Like for me, school is great. I like wouldn't trade my school experience for anything. And yeah, I wish it was all cheaper. Yeah, I wish I didn't graduate debt. But like for me, you know, I think I met the right people. I like got motivated to do the right things, you know? Like it gave me the time to like, you know, uh, really focus on myself and like build relationships within my network, but also like, you know, apply to jobs and, and focus on that as well. So I think 
it's really, really individual. But the, the most important thing is like, if it's not accomplishing what you need, you, you, you shouldn't be doing it, right? And you mentioned that thing about degrees. Yeah, like, you know, if you just want to get a coding job, there's a way to do that through a bootcamp that might be way cheaper and way quicker than a four-year degree at a college. But with school, I think, and the number one thing that for me was networking. Like I just met so many people in my four-year degree. I'm not even done yet. I still got a, got a year left that, you know, which just inspired me. Damien, for example, I wouldn't even met Damien if it weren't for school, right? <laughs> and so, you know, this has been invaluable for me already because now that we're making a lot of moolah off this, but <laughs> this has yet. been some great conversations. Not yet. McDonald's hit us up. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's just been so great for making connections and just meeting the right people. And I think that's that's what I would say school has the most value in. You know, you're, you're thrust into an environment where there's what, like our school has 30K students. Uh, like age, you know, 17 to 23. And, and I mean, yeah, the parties are great, you know, things like that. <laughs> but let, like let, me, let me ask really you this cool question. People. Let me ask yeah. you this question. How did you guys meet? Ooh, that's great. Oh, have we talked about this remember. in the podcast, Damien? I, I think we have. It's, very, it's a very one. good story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damien, do you want to take it away? Or? Um, sure. So um, I was part of a student club. Um, shout out McMaster Energy Association. And we are actually, that was part of the Energy Week initiative. And we were doing a tour at a facility downtown Toronto called Sidewalk Labs, uh, which is uh, like an Apple's, or sorry, Alphabet uh, project they were running over here. And uh, Fouad was one of the students that was coming on the trip with us. And, <laughs> um, you know, Fouad being the socialite he is, came up to me and he struck up conversation. And like on the bus ride over, we were just like talking with between us and like two other friends, and like we just kind of like hit it off, and like the conversation was flowing naturally, naturally and seamlessly. And um, I thought he was like a really um, insightful and interesting dude. So you're making me blush, man. Relax, <laughs> Scott. Um, so you know, it's all deserved, though. I'm a firm believer of credit where credits due, and you know, this guy deserves all the praise he gets to him. Um, and yeah, so like sometime after though, I hit him up. You know, I'm like, yo, you're cute. She lets her grab coffee. <laughs> no. But yeah, I, I hit him up and like, yo, let's grab some coffee sometime. Like, I thought we had a really cool conversation um, just to kind of gauge, um, like get, get to know him a little better. And, you know, like, I guess that was the end of the story. Like I realized that we had great chemistry between us when it came to conversation. Um, and I knew that he was a person that I wanted to, I was kind of looking for a co-founder, like for the podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to get somebody that I knew too well because I felt like that familiarity um, would leave too much room for uh, for some slack. So I felt like we were at the perfect level of awkwardness between us two to get <laughs> things moving properly. And yeah, yeah and now we are where we are. Dude, beautifully told. Beautifully told. Dude, taking <laughs> it, it's it's been a year and what three months since we met. Yeah, like, we we yeah. missed our anniversary, bro. You didn't send me anything. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I said, did we shut up the anniversary on the podcast? Oh, okay. Well, we you know, I thought I was gonna get a gift or something, but oh, you gotta, you gotta send <laughs> him an Uber Eats or something. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. dude, I'll give you my address. <laughs> oh, That's man. awesome. I mean, so you guys kind of ruined my point, but when usually, <laughs> usually when because that's such a beautifully told story. But usually when I ask that that type of question, most people are like, "Oh, we met at a party, or we met um like through a fraternity or something like that." And my mm -hmm. my always hit back is, "Could you have met that person without having to go to school?" And typically mm -hmm. the answer to that is yes, if you're savvy, right? You can still go to all the school events. Let's say your best friend attends UCF, right? Technically, if your best friend invites you to all the UCF parties and mm -hmm. even the student clubs, if you're savvy enough, you can still get into those student club meetings. 
For that's sure, what right. I, and that's what I mean. Where if the student is smart enough, right, and if you're savvy enough, there's ways to work around it in sort of these cheat code um, sort of things that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand. And um, I mean, just look at LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn's probably the biggest cheat code of it all. Even if you're not in college, even for me, I'm not in college, but a lot of people still think that I'm in college um, just because of sort of how my LinkedIn profile is portrayed. And that has Mm -hmm. opened up a lot of conversations for me because people answer my DMs because they don't think that I'm trying to sell them on anything. So that's that's where like these cheat codes sort of thing, uh, these cheat codes sort of play a role where it's like, did you really need to spend $35,000 a year to, to meet someone? And maybe for your mm-hmm. instance, right? That, that is true. But for a lot of people, like for a lot of your relationships, I would say mm-hmm. that that's not necessarily true, but maybe you guys go on to start a billion dollar company. So that $35,000 <laughs> investing, right? Was definitely worth it in the long yeah. run. But yeah, yeah it's crazy that you say that. Beginning. It's so crazy that you say that. Cause so I'm in California right now, originally from Toronto and I spent last term, um in south bay and this term in east bay and last term i was like a five minute walk from stanford and i I got super lucky like i i roomed with a guy who was like a stanford student but i just realized that i was working at tesla at the time and you know i wasn't like i was a student i was an intern but like you know i was working full-time and tesla hours are pretty crazy right so like theoretically i was i was just like a full-time worker right and i met so many students that year i met so many cool people i went to so many cool parties you know i went to i even went to a club event you know like like and I'm just thinking like, damn, you're right, bro. <laughs> like if you put in the work, you put in the effort, you reach out to the right people, you have a little bit of luck, you know, you live in the right spots, you do get to meet a ton of people, you know, and regardless of whether you pay, like I didn't pay 70K or whatever it is for Stanford tuition, but like I met a ton of people, right? So yeah, that, that really made me rethink things. Because think about it, that. technically you probably could have gotten your Twitter internship this year or even your Tesla internship if you put in the work during high school. Right. You don't necessarily have because you guys aren't coming from from target schools necessarily. So you're pretty much Mm -hmm. at the same level as someone who doesn't have a college degree. And if Mm -hmm. all that really matters, especially if you're trying to get into tech, since they're very innovative, is like, do you have a project that you've worked on to showcase that you have these skills to to Mm -hmm. do X, Y or Z? And when you realize that and it's not necessarily about the degree that you get, but the skills that you learn while you're in college, it Mm -hmm. opens up a lot of doors for you because you don't get scared to cold cold email someone, you're like, Hey, I know I have these skills. I want you to know that I have these skills. Check out what I can do. And I think that's a huge mindset shift for, for a lot of students out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think like even like the, these intangibles that we're talking about, right? Like a lot of this, like the really valuable things that we get out of it, like the cheat codes are intangible. It's like how you go about it as opposed to the actual thing itself. And for like, I, I just like speaking on my own experience, like I think college uh, was worth it for me just because it's crazy how siloed you can be um, until you get thrown into different experience, uh, um, uh, uh, sorry, what's the word? Different environments, sorry. And I honestly like, so I, I, I come from this little town called Brampton in Ontario. Yeah. And <laughs> for, <laughs> for me, um, so a little it's, bit of background, Brampton's like a suburb of, of, of Toronto. And, you know, people from Toronto, like myself, you know, we kind of look down on people. No, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I know someone from there. Like, no no lie. No I think way. I know someone else from there. Tory That's Lanes. Cool. Tory Lanes, if you know Tory Lanes. Okay. From Brampton. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> small names, small guys, small guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, because, like, that, that community can really be siloed. And, like, I honestly this whole world that I've been introduced to now that like LinkedIn has really exposed to me, I did not even know it existed. And 
going to college um and i was a huge introvert too so i never would have found out about this stuff um but i i was thrown into just these different exper uh, experiences i met different people and it really brought in my pov on things and that fast-tracked me to finding those cheat codes because otherwise like who knows how long they would have taken me and if you have the right people around you i definitely think it's very conducive to um, finding those cheat codes and again like it's a very um, situation-based thing but for someone who just has no idea like what's happening again it's not it's a situation by situation based again like based on like financial incentives and everything but i definitely think that uh the the development you gain as an individual along the way is invaluable a hundred percent and i think like if we're just going to stay on this topic just a little bit longer right um, yeah. when it comes to the college experience, I don't think there's anyone out there that sort of debates how valuable that is. I think the, the debate is, is that college experience worth $35,000 a year or however mm -hmm. much you're paying? And I think that's where a lot of people are held up, which is completely understandable, right? Is it mm -hmm. worth mm -hmm. to risk $35,000 to maybe meet the person of your dream, so to say, the way that you guys, you both have, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, people on The Bachelor might say yes, right? They probably get paid over $35,000 to be on that show. But mm -hmm. what I mean by that is there's so many different hacks that you're not taught in high school to mitigate that risk right? Yeah. No one tell every, everyone in high school is focused on getting scholarships and everyone's just applying. But what they don't tell you about getting scholarships is it matters what your story is. And especially in high school, no one knows how to tell their story. And that's why you end up with a whole bunch of, with a bunch of students who are able to win so many scholarships mm -hmm. because they understand their story. They understand how to leverage it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you taught high school students how to actually tell their story, instead of writing a five paragraph essay for every single assignment using MLA format, <laughs> so many more students would get scholarships and be able to actually afford college. Like there's a yeah. crazy stupid number of scholarships that get unclaimed every single year. And it's because mm -hmm. college students don't actually, or high school students don't know how to find them. And right. I think that's, that's, I mean, if we're going to talk core problem, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. there's, oh man, like this, this is a, this is a Pandora's <laughs> box. Like education is a Pandora's box here. Cause it's something that I'm personally um, very passionate about uh, as well. Uh, and, I like looking at like different modalities of delivering, delivering education and how outdated our system is over here. It's just insane. Um, when you look at like in the grand scheme of things, right? Looking at education systems around the world, there are so many other like innovative measures taken to approach education. And one thing that I really appreciate that one prof at McMaster, like in school, myself and water from, um, a doctor, uh, the late Dr. Dell, he was a firm advocate of student-centered learning, which I think is a fantastic way to go about it, right? Because as it stands right now, there's a teacher in front of the classroom and they're just like didactic, didactically throwing all this information at you and you're just forced to sit down there and absorb it, whether you like it or not. And there are these standardized measures that, and I mean, this, this quote gets attributed to Einstein all the time. Like if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll go its entire life thinking it's dumb. And I think that's like, it does apply a lot to you, right? There's students that are interested in a bunch of different things and they are forced to be good at the things that they hate. And I think that at like a certain level, it's good to be well-rounded, but we're losing that passion that we were born with for learning. You know, like we're, as kids, we've grown up 
we're natural scientists. We're curious about the world. We have all these questions and we just lose that fire along the way. And it's like super sad to see. And I feel like for someone in your position who is so passionate about getting students, like the education you de they, they deserve, um, it's a problem that you're interested in as well. And like, I like the approach you're trying to take, right? Like, let's not leave it up to these institutions that are being run like businesses. Let's see what we can do. Like this kid on LinkedIn, I like, <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. Dude, um, like, I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree. And I think, I think the biggest thing for me that I've noticed Right. If I'm looking at the most successful students, I'm not necessarily talking about the the smartest ones that are getting like the 4.0s and everything like that, but the ones that are getting the the high quality internships and everything like that. The the reason that they're succeeding is because they're not afraid to try something, mm -hmm. for the most part. Right. For instance, with you, Fuad. Right. You said that you had like 300 rejections or something like that. Yeah, obscene number. <laughs> right, a crazy stupid amount, right? Not many students would get to that number. They would have gotten to 50 or even like 25 and been like, all right, I can never get an internship. I'm going to give up, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from how we're sort of brought up in education, right? If you don't get an A on an exam, that's really about it. We're moving on to the next subject. You have to figure it out on your own. Right. There's no real hold hand or hand holding or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that gets brought up ever since we're young and especially the, the, the term, there's no dumb questions, but the way that a lot of people say that is like, don't ask a dumb question basically when right. in reality, learning how to ask a good question can open so many doors, right? So you guys many. are learning, you guys are learning this firsthand, right? Being able to conduct a, a great conversation. And I'm sure you guys have probably taken these tips into your own um, like internship <laughs> interviews, right? Yeah. Where it's like when they ask you, uh, like, do you have any other questions uh, uh, for for us? Instead of saying, "Oh, tell me more about like your work culture," or like, <laughs> "Tell me what a day looks like." <laughs> the in worst your job. question. The worst question. You right. Could ask. But yeah. that's what yeah. they tell you to do in school, and it's like yeah. if you're doing that, a you sound like a robot and you sound terrible, right? The the recruiter on the other end has probably answered that question a million times. For but sure. mm -hmm. B. It's not leading to any interesting conversation. And mm -hmm, that's what mm -hmm. people don't realize. Like being able to hold an interesting conversation is game changing in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In all aspects. Yeah. Dude, so many tips. So many tips. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, I, I wish we could go down every rabbit hole that we that we find. But um, I want to keep this conversation a little bit more centered on like the, some of the stuff that you're working on and, you know, why you're such a unique guest on this podcast. Um, one thing that we, you know, we talked about a little bit about uh, in our conversation before this was um, like how how you really want to systematize this this process of like you know finding new tips as the industry changes. So I want to ask you like how are you keeping your platform current even though you're now not in college anymore, and how are you finding these voices to bring onto the show that really have the most current tips and the most current knowledge on how the job industry is changing, how college is changing, and how students are adapting. 100%. So thankfully, I have the LinkedIn community that I've been able to build and sort of how the process has been working so far is I'll put out either a poll or a post of like, hey, what are um, some questions that you have about college? And then I'll get people to comment on it. And then now I've got a list of questions that college students want. So I'm not really coming up with questions that I think are relevant. I'm actually getting college students to ask these questions. So I know that this is something that they want to hear. When it comes to getting these insights of people that ha are actually in like the the fields and working and to try to find internships or whatever it may be, what I do is I reach back out to my audience and say, "Hey, this is an upcoming topic." For instance, um, one of the episodes that that is coming up is like studying abroad. 
what advice would you have for, for students that are planning to study abroad? I just put out a post of saying, hey, anyone who, ha who has experience studying abroad, um, leave a comment where you studied abroad in and I'll reach out to you. So they just have to leave a comment. I'll reach out to them, ask for their email. And then once I get their email, I send them uh, sort of like a form for them to fill out and they send the audio over. So then it becomes whoever's motivated enough to actually send the audio over, I get to hear their, their voice and their story. So I think on the post, I got like 120 something comments or something like that. And from that, I probably got 60 to 70 um, people to respond back to me. Um, in terms of like in DMs and stuff. And then from those DMs, like right now, today was the the deadline to submit your response. I, I'm probably at like 15 or 20 um, responses. So mm -hmm. now I have 20 people to sort through, which again is a lot, but um, it's good enough to get good information from there and unique information as well so that I can take three to five of their voices, put it into an episode and make it sound really good and have good information for people like yourself who are tuning into it. Right. Oh, that's such an innovative like take to finding all this information. And I guess like this is what LinkedIn is here for. Um, and like I love that because it's just actual valuable content that we're seeing. And again, like not that struggle porn that we're so used to seeing cluttering our timelines. Um, you were talking to us a bit about your kind of final vision for everything, right? Like the South by Southwest. Um, I would love to for you to speak uh, to that a bit because I think that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening there. <laughs> yeah, so so sort of the end goal with everything is to create this South by Southwest styled career fair because career fairs are just incredibly boring um, right now, right? It's like a company gets a table, maybe they hand out some pamphlets. If you're really lucky, you might get a free T-shirt, but that's really about it. And what has ended up happening is when you look at the statistics. Most companies, when they go to career fairs, especially if you're not going to a target, uh, like a target school, the jobs that they offer are like the bottom of the barrel ones that they just haven't been able to fill. So what mm -hmm. that leads to is like the top students, they don't go to career fairs because they know that the top jobs aren't there, which then turns like sort of like a feedback loop of the companies not wanting to come because they know that the top students aren't there. So it's sort of like the circle um, that doesn't work out like a negative feedback loop essentially. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so what I want to, the reason I want to create the South by Southwest sort of environment is so that a, to attract the great students to come again, um, to, to this event so that it's not just like the, the middle students or, or the lower students. And the reason, the, the reason that it, this is good for the middle and lower students is yes, there's a little bit more competition, but you're also getting access to higher quality jobs. So mm -hmm. that's sort of the, the, the grand scheme of everything. And when it comes to what something like this might look like, we're thinking, I mean, it would be amazing to get it to like a week event, right? Where we're swapping out different sort of majors every few days. That would be sort of the end goal of everything. But what it might look like at the beginning is a one to three day event where um, at the beginning, you're hearing from keynotes of actual people that are sitting down and doing the work every single day. Um, you're, you're getting reviews from like Google recruiters, et cetera, mm -hmm. for your resume. And then you have this sort of trade floor where instead of booths or instead of like a table and some pamphlets, you're getting booths and activations where a company can actually showcase what they do. Because how many companies are out there that we don't even know the name of and we don't even know what they do, but they, what they do is something really interesting. And if they mm -hmm. had a chance to show us, then we would probably be 
more interested in them. And that's usually the small to medium sized businesses. And when I did, again, do, doing the research, they don't like to spend money on college career fairs because mm -hmm. they don't see a good ROI because they're not getting the, the best students from there and they don't mm -hmm. have a chance to showcase what they do. So this, this sort of platform would help students have more fun and be associated with fun when it comes to companies, but also allow the small to medium sized business to uh, succeed as well in, in terms of their recruitment efforts. Yeah, that'd be sick mm -hmm. to see like a collaboration with like AngelList or something, get a bunch of startups out there. You know, I, like, I love how unique that startup culture is and I feel so energetic and I feel like a lot of uh, students can really vibe with that. And it's, it tends to be like, you know, everybody sees like these huge name companies like Tesla, Google, Amazon, Apple. And now like, I think a lot of people really, for lack of a better word, like clout chase, um, they just want to have sure. those big names, right? And <laughs> there's so much value in working for a startup that I feel like it doesn't get enough attention sometimes. Agreed. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to a lot of people just don't know, right? Mm -hmm. um, we grow up knowing about Google, Facebook, the Fortune 500 companies. But when you look at it, that's only 500 companies. Like how many yeah. other companies are there in the world that you could work for? And I don't think people realize that. Um, even students, right, that are supposed to be very educated. The reason that career services forced them to go to a, a Fortune 500 company is because they get a kickback from it. So that's right. the reason why you only really hear from Fortune 500 companies when you're on campus, because those are the only people that can afford the the fees that career services um, pay for. And that goes through a whole right. other rabbit hole of like money incentives and everything like that. Right. But mm -hmm. that's sort of the biggest problem is these small to medium sized companies, whether they're startups or just even the local mom and pop shop in, in your local town they don't have access to the students because they don't have the platform to build up that brand re reputation. So mm -hmm. there needs to be someone who, who's able to, to sort of bridge that gap. So Absolutely. true, man. And like, as somebody who's like, you know, I've done seven internships at this point, Twitter is my seventh. And so like, I've kind of run the whole gamut of like, you know, I worked at a consulting firm. I worked at a couple of huge companies like Tesla, Twitter. I worked at like, you know, startups. I worked at like a five person startup. I worked at a 200 person startup. I worked at a hospital, right? And dude, like the biggest thing that I've realized through all of this is that, you know, obviously like you know, the vibe's different at different companies and we need to be showing different voices. But the biggest thing I realized personally was that, dude, name means nothing. It's all about the team. And it's all about the people you work with. And even at Tesla and Twitter, you know, if I didn't like the team, I would 100% have not taken this job at Twitter. If I didn't like believe in what the team was working on and, you know, had great conversations in my interviews and, you know, like felt like I could chill with them like over meats and like just like drink a beer or something like I would definitely not have worked at any of these companies, right? And so I think your idea is just great because not only is it a way for you to show company culture, but you know, more and more I'm realizing that what is company culture when you have 35,000 employees, right? Or even if you have like 200 employees, right? Like there's company culture, but there's also teams and you work in a team and you work with people and you need to meet those people and meet the teams to understand if that's a place you wanna be. A hundred percent. And that, that's, that's the environment that I want to build, right? Imagine that there's like a Google meetup or a Tesla meetup where you actually get to interact with the people that are hiring you other than just that 30 second pitch that you would get at a career fair. Yeah. So that's, that's what like the whole purpose of this, right? Cause I mean, what would be a dream was since I'm in Orlando, I would love to host it in Orlando. Um, oh, like yeah. going to Disney or going to universal from like six to 12 PM. And it wouldn't just be students, but you could also interact with, 
with like people from Tesla or anyone who wants to to go to that event. Like that mm-hmm. would I think that would be super dope. And that's sort of coming off of what South by Southwest is, where you get to interact with these people in not just like a hiring environment, but also sort of a, a hanging out environment. And at the end of the day, if the, if the person on the other end can't see themselves working with you for like 40 to 60 plus hours a week, then they're never going to hire you. And that's so hard to portray in like a 30 second conversation um, at a at a career fair, especially when you have a line that's like 30 to 50 students deep behind you. And you're like, what the heck is going on right now? Do you think like, again, like we've talked about this before, but like um, the way that a lot of students go about networking is that they go in with the intention of, okay, I'm going to get a job out of this interaction. And it's a very predatory nature to that uh, that conversation. Do you think you can really get away from that? I know you're kind of, getting into that comfortable laid back setting should help. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you are here among X amount of other people and everybody wants a job. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that would come from the community that we built. Right. So the community you've, you've paid attention to the content that, that I put out on LinkedIn as well as the podcast. I think what we, the reason that we're focusing on the community first is so that by the time you get to the event, You've already sort of listened to all of the tips and cheat codes that we've we've taught in our in our lessons. So, for right. instance, when it comes to networking, the the sort of cheat code that I like to tell people is: everyone tells you that it's all about who you know, when in actuality, it's the complete opposite. It doesn't matter how many people you know; it matters how many people remember you. And you don't mm-hmm. get remembered by being the person that's always asking for a job. You get mm-hmm. remembered by having a really cool story and having interesting conversations. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys can attest to this, right? With in terms of like the interviews that you've been on and even the interviews that you've had, that's what really matters. And when students mm-hmm. understand that, they would, in theory, un, uh, figure out how to understand that through all of the content that we put out and through that that web app as well. So that by the time they get to the career fair, they're not in the mindset of like job scarcity. They're more in the mindset of, oh, I want to have this cool conversation with someone from Twitter. Yes, it might be a little strategic in that I want to work for Twitter one day, but I want to make sure that Twitter is the right company for me, not just because it's a cool name to put on my resume. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Moving away from that resume and moving towards people, I think is like, any, any step in that direction is, is a step I fully support. So, dude, when this conference comes out, make sure you message me because I'm trying to come. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Even if I, I have mean, a job. <laughs> it's it's going to be a while out. It, it's going to take a lot of time and connections to make. Um, but hopefully by that, maybe you guys are hiring, right? Maybe you guys have your podcast mm. up and running or your, <laughs> your startup in, and you guys are one of the sponsors or something like that. Um, mm. And that that's why I'm trying to build the connections I am right now because who knows mm. where someone might end up in the future. Oh, 100%. But all yeah. I know is like I want to have these interesting conversations with people like you guys because um, I think we're all going to be successful one day. It's just a matter of, of when it's going to happen and if it happens during the right time, so to say. So mm-hmm. that's why I love hopping on podcasts like this. Dude, yeah. And thank oh, you so yeah. much for hopping on, bro. Like the way I like to think of it is just like planting seeds, man. Like, you know, like some seeds you cultivate more, some seeds you cultivate less, but sometimes it's not even the seeds that you cultivate that just like end up being huge trees. You know what I mean? And so like, it's all about like being willing to like plant that seed, make that connection, have that first conversation, being genuine, you know, putting effort into it. And then it, it, it becomes something, it becomes something, it doesn't, it doesn't, but you had a great conversation, you know? And exactly. I, I think so far this has been such a great conversation. Um, and I, you know, I, we want to be respectful of your time. So we're going to like cut it short a little bit, but we have two, two questions um, I think that are really good. And I'll take the first one. Damien can take the last one because it's sort of like a tradition on our show. Um, mm. But one question I did want to ask you, and this is like just, you know, sort of to get you to reflect and, and, and talk about your personal nature as well is um, 
where do you think you personally stand the most to improve? Because uh, I've been thinking about self-development a lot and and sometimes it feels like we look at these people and we're like, oh, they made it, you know, like you have a pretty big platform, you know, you've really, really grinded for your thing. I know there's still goals you're, you're working towards and things like that, but in terms of person, personal skills, personal development, where do you think you stand to improve the most? Oh, I a hundred percent know where this is. Um, my, my number one problem right now is, uh, remembering to follow up with people like three or four months later on. Um, and mm-hmm. what I mean by that is like maintaining sort of that relationship. And the reason, I'm, I mean, I have terrible memory, so I need to find a software <laughs> yeah. or something that can like remind me to to hit someone up yeah. every three months or so, because uh, that's what I've realized. Because I'll be like, I would go through my phone and I'm like, oh snap, I haven't hit up this person. And then I look at like the last message and it's like a year ago. And I'm like, what the oh, heck? No. Like how, <laughs> how long has it been? Like, I didn't even realize that it's been that long. So then it's like another cold email essentially, or like another cold message. So that's probably the number one thing that, that I need to get better at. I'm good with people that I'm really close with of like hitting them up every once in a while. But for those like second degree connections, so to say, of like people that I know and we've had sort of interactions and we want to stay in touch, I'm, I'm pretty bad when it comes to staying, like sending out a message every like couple months or so. Yeah, dude, that's crazy that you say that because, okay, a little bit of a story. So when I was in freshman year, one of my friends, like one of my best friends from high school, like came to my school to like, you know, like throw like a surprise birthday party for me and stuff. And it was like such a sweet gesture. Uh, My ex at the time organized it, you know, whatever. It was great. Um, And I remember we were like going for a walk like at night after we like drank or something. And, you know, we're just like catching up. And he said, dude, you're really good at making friends, but you're really shit at keeping friends. And I have the exact same problem. Like not even... Not even just professionally. I also have it personally, which kind of sucks. But <laughs> I'm working on improving it. So, so what what kind of steps are you taking? Like, I know you mentioned reminders. I use the Remind app all the time. I have, I have a horrible memory too. But like, you know, what what sort of steps are you taking to actually improve on that? I've I've started to keep like an Excel sheet, um, but I just have to get into the habit of checking it every once in a while. So mm-hmm. I don't know. If th- I mean, there's got to be a software out there. If not, this is a brilliant idea for someone out there of like building <laughs> literally a network reminder app where you just input a name and then it gives you a reminder. You can set the reminder to be like every two months or three months or whatever it is. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. I haven't been able to kind of find it. I've started to mess around a little bit with like Gmail of of like I'll see when the last message is and then I'll just put like. I'll, I'll delay it or whatever the the feature is for like three months so that in three months or whatever it'll pop back up and I'm like oh okay i gotta just let me just respond back to this email randomly and say hey mm-hmm. i remember we had this conversation would love to like just check in and see how you're doing mm-hmm. that's awesome man yeah there's definitely a, a startup idea there there's got i mean hard. there yeah, might yeah. be a startup out there but if it is hit me up i'll, I'll definitely take a sponsor for the podcast or, or some <laughs> LinkedIn content. i'm sure we can make it go viral absolutely i saw um you guys know jonathan javier yeah 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 yeah. from one salting yeah he has a great um excel spreadsheet template that he uses for the exact same thing and you know he's a guy that he has like five thousand people messaging him like every day so it's incredible seeing how he's able to follow up with everyone um and you know just color coding bro color coding is a secret to everything yeah, I need to get better with that, man. So it's like I can be very creative with my words, which is hilarious because I hated writing growing up. But when right. it comes to like organizing things and having that creative lens there, I am so bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I hear that. Um, I actually so have one. Through. I actually have one penultimate question before we ask the final one. Um, just because I think this is a good one for keep people college students to keep in mind. But are there any courses that you feel every college student should take? Hmm. I guess the one course that I would tell that they need to take is 
it's gonna be kind of lame but it's like the course of 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 cold messaging and cold emailing and that's mm -hmm. literally just putting it on yourself because i mean you can pay for courses all you want and at the end of the day if you're paying for it you get to choose if that course is worth it or not right most courses tend to have a lot of good information in it it's just mm -hmm. if you're able to to apply it or not but i think the number one skill that i've been able to learn over the past couple of years which i learned first in my uh, my first internship at northwestern mutual was just being able to cold email and cold message people because once you get over that fear of just pressing scary, that green yeah, it's, just, it's super scary, scary. <laughs> super scary. But once you get over that fear of like pressing that green button or that blue button, whatever it is, it's so much easier. And once you realize, right, let's say you're emailing Elon Musk or something like that, you send him an email and he doesn't respond, he's probably not going to remember who you are, right? So yeah. that the next time when you've worked on that skill and you send him another email like three months down the line, let's say he responds, he's not going to remember the other email that he, that he didn't respond to. I mean, he, mm -hmm. he might, if he has amazing memory, which again, it could be, <laughs> that's why he's doing such amazing things, but <laughs> chances are most people aren't going to remember. And that's what people don't realize. And that, that's what I didn't realize, um, before I started to, to learn like how to cold email people and stuff. Yeah. And follow up, follow up, follow up. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I just, from my own, uh, my own experience, like I took a personal finance course, and I found that to be hugely valuable because it's something I was really never taught properly growing up. Mm. And um, I learned a bunch that I'm easily going to be translating well into my life from that course. So that would be my suggestion if anyone's looking. <laughs> um, I mean, but, personal finances, you you got to do that, man. No, I, I'm lucky I come from a financial background. So like I, mm. I understand what I sort of need to look out for and everything like that from a basic mm -hmm. standpoint. But man, that... If we could teach that in high school, it would it would help so much. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the like compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world, right? Once Absolutely. you realize that, oh my God, it's a, what's the law, law of seven or law of nine or whatever it is? I think seven, um, right? Seven, right? Yeah. Seven, whatever seven that, that. Yeah. Yeah. One of those, <laughs> like once you understand that law, it's like, oh, wow, there's a bunch of, uh, a bunch of doors that just open from there. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Okay. So for our grand finale, um, our favorite question to ask our uh, our podcast guests, and I kind of primed you on this when we were having a conversation before, if you remember. Right. But uh, <laughs> if there was a billboard that would reach millions of people, and again, you can cater this to students or the general populace, what would you put on that billboard? Hmm. What would I put on that billboard? Take I want to kind of. I want to take like a Mr. Beast role to this. Like, do you guys know that he put um, like subscribe to PewDiePie on every billboard in like one city or something like that? Like, Wait, no way. That's wild. Yeah, it was like one of his videos. He he literally like this was when the whole PewDiePie <clears throat> versus um whatever that Indian company was like they're trying yeah, to make yeah, sure yeah, that yeah. that PewDiePie stayed number one. He literally yeah. bought every PewDiePie or he every billboard in a in a like a state or a country. No, not a country, a county or something like that. Uh, and said subscribe to PewDiePie or something like that. So um, hopefully you're going to be putting go. our podcast on that billboard, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got to plug you guys, right? The adult verse. Um, I wonder what would... I think... I th Again, I don't know what the creative would be behind it, but the message that I would want to portray is that um, it's okay to go to community college. 
And the reason for that is I think community college has such a bad stigma. I mean, even myself, I remember like thinking when I was in high school, like, oh my God, like you're going to community college. Like there's no way that I could ever see myself doing that. But now that I look back and it's like, if you're not, if you're not doing any scholarships or if you're, if you're not like really rich or something like that, then community college is such a smart move. Um, in the long run of just being able to save money and save debt. Cause the reason that I'm able to do what I am doing today is because I don't have any student debt. And yes, right. I didn't go to community college, but I understand the the power of not having 20, 30, $50,000 worth of student loans debt that I mm-hmm. have to worry about paying off every single year. Like I've got a boy, he's playing, he, I think he's paying like $1,200 every single month for the next 20 years of his life. There's no Holy. way that he, there's yeah. no way he could have said no to a job offer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, coming out of school. So that's that's why I would say community college. Like if if it's if you don't have the money, community college is okay. And it's probably mm-hmm. the smarter move. I just don't know what mm-hmm. that would look like though. Mm-hmm. Amen. To that's that. a great message. Dude, I super agree. I think there's so many ways to focus on what you're doing and focus on improving yourself that we just like get caught up in this idea of status. But like, dude, fuck status, man. Do what you want to do like straight up like dude like forget about all this clout forget about all these people like focus on what you want to do it's a great message man exactly yeah. man don't worry about playing status games that's not going to get you anywhere 100 percent. i mean you, yeah. don't, you don't play the status game until you play it right by accident and i think like look at mm-hmm. mr beast like i mean i just talk about mr beast a lot because i've been doing a lot of research on like youtube and stuff but yeah, yeah. if you i'm not sure if you guys know this but he he um, recorded a video in like 2015 and he set it to release in 2020 or 2019 or something like that, like five years in advance. And it was like, man, I, a wild goal would be to reach a hundred thousand subscribers or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that video released and he's at like 10 million or 15 million or something like that. That's yeah, incredible, yeah. bro. So like, that you know that he wasn't ever really chasing that number, so to say. He was always just doing it to help people out and everything like that. And that yeah. video shows the authenticity behind it. So you don't play yeah. the clout game until you basically play it by accident. And I think that's where the most successful people really thrive is like they they put it off until it actually becomes a thing. Yeah. Man, I, I feel like same thing with like fame too. Like there's two ways to become famous. Either you're famous um just because you're like a famous name or you're famous because people respect you and it's a smaller number of people that'll know your name but the people that do know you they have this deep reverence for you and it's not like a kim kardashian it's going to be something a little more esoteric and you know i just i I love that because fame is such an iffy thing again with the status schemes as well right and i mean it does have its place and it's a powerful platform if you can utilize it properly and maybe we should do the same Mr. Beast thing, Fouad. And, you know, <laughs> I, don't, have... I don't have that kind of money, but uh, if you want to rent out some billboards, be my guest. No, no, no. I mean, like setting, you know, you know by this time next year, oh, we're oh, going to oh. have. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah set gonna, set like a podcast yeah, yeah. to release in like two years or something like that. And who yeah. Knows I thought you meant the billboards. I was like, nope, bro. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> maybe once we get McDonald's as a sponsor, we can afford it. Oh, yeah. That, Hopefully not just yet. <laughs> Dude, we should definitely do that, yeah. though. We should definitely Absolutely. do that. But Justin, man, thank you so much for your time and the this crazy conversation. Um, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, are no. there any final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? I mean, first off, thank you guys so much for for uh, having me on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really have any final thoughts. The the last thing that I would say is just just realize everyone's on their own journey. We we overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in ten. And mm-hmm. I think once I understood that, a lot of pressure sort of 
to, was taken off of my shoulders. Yes. There's still some times where that pressure like kind of caves in, but for the most part, really trying to understand that message, um, can, can do a lot, especially when you're in that junior senior year of college and you're seeing all your friends getting internships and jobs and maybe you don't, you don't have that realizing mm -hmm. in 10 years, you could have much, much more if you continue to like increase 1% every single day, that theory of compound interest, man. Yeah. I love beautiful. that. I love that. Um, where can yeah, people beautiful. find you? Uh, best place is LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn forward slash IN forward slash Justin GCGU. And then mm -hmm. if you want to check out the podcast, it's just uh, declassified college on any podcasting platform that you're looking on. Cool. And we'll link perfect. Those we'll, in we'll link that. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Dude. Anyways, thank you so much, man, dude. Honestly, such a great conversation. Hopefully we can have more.